church, as always, it's good to be together this morning. Uh, this morning we're continuing our study in the book of Colossians. We're going to be picking up in chapter 2, verse 16, wrapping up uh, this book. And uh, as we've been going through this letter from Paul, uh, the last couple weeks we've been seeing this is a letter that he wrote to this early church uh, that was uh, forming and maturing in Christ. And it was his hope that this early church would reach all the maturity uh, that God had for them and experience all that God wanted for them. And uh, he was revealing his prayers for this church and trying to center this church on the gospel. And that's where we're going to pick up today. So I want to invite you, if you would, turn with me to Colossians chapter 2, verse 16. And as you're turning there, uh, let you know as well, uh, I encourage you, if you can, you know, get the, get the phone out. Uh, bring your Bible with you so you can make notes, so you can study. But we'll have the slides behind me. As well, a couple of things I want to do as you guys are turning there. We're getting set up this morning. Is first of all, if you're new, I do want to say welcome. Just as we welcomed everybody, uh, I may have already said my name, but if not, I'm Tim, one of the pastors here, and I'm really glad that you're here this morning. And secondly, I'm going to try to catch my breath. <sighs> Even as I begin, because what I've noticed is, uh, and especially last time I was preaching to you guys, I know I have a certain amount of time. Someone's going to come and get me at the end if I don't finish, right? And I've noticed that, like, I hardly even say a breath this first service because I just want to get through everything. And last time there was so much to say. I was like, all right, uh, I'm going to cut the jokes because we got to make sure we go through all of God's word. And let's just race through it. But I'm going to uh, tell you today that I'm just going to catch my breath and we're just going to go slow and read what we can. And I'm pretty sure we will still finish. Um, but anyways, maybe that's more for me than you. But just letting you know. Going to catch my breath today as we go through God's word. Um, thank you. Thank you, Irene. Um, so uh, as we turn to this passage, here's the question that I want to ask you guys. Because I always think it's very helpful for us to frame uh, God's word around what it's speaking to. And God's word is always speaking to many things. There's always themes that develop throughout it. Uh, there's one big theme of the Bible, and there's themes within each letter, and that's why we go verse by verse and chapter by chapter. But here's a question I think helps set our hearts and our minds a little bit for this passage today. And here's, here's the question I want to ask you all. Have you ever set your eyes on something, maybe a goal, and got distracted or totally overwhelmed along the way? That's probably never happened to any of you guys. But I know many, many times I've set my mind on some sort of goal, something, and gotten very distracted or overwhelmed along the way. And I want to give a couple of illustrations. Um, one illustration that I could give of this is, you know, for every day, you know, one of the, you know, practical things of, you know, managing our time is some people, and some people teach this, is, you know, make a list. You know, have an idea of your game plan for the day. But how many of you guys have ever made a, a list or a task list? or try to, and, and by the time you started doing it, you got overwhelmed. Who's ever gotten overwhelmed when you set out to make The rest of y'all are liars. I'm not raising your hand. Because I know that often we go and try to set down all the things we got to do. And before we finish the list, we're like, whew, that was a lot of work. I'm done. Just making the list was stressful. And so some of us avoid making lists. Because we're like, I don't want to get stressed. And if I make a list of all things i got to do, I am going to freak out. It's just better if I just think of one thing at a time. And I don't think about the big picture because that's overwhelming. That's, that's one example I want to give. Or maybe on a Saturday. How many of you ever looked forward to beginning a Saturday 
a day with so much potential. Now, many of us happen to have Saturday off. If not, I'm sorry. This is a terrible illustration for you and just torturous. But many of us get Saturdays off. And, and we look forward to that day. We work hard all week and we get to a Saturday. Um, students, adults, everyone, we get to Saturday. And the day is filled with so much potential. But we wake up and our mind starts racing with all the things we want to do or all the things we want to happen. And the same thing. Before it even gets to 9 a.m., we're like, man, I'm just stressed. I'm stressed about this day, and it hasn't even begun yet. Uh, a couple more examples. How many of you guys have ever set out to get better about reading the Bible? All right, we know, okay, I mean, we're in church, right? We hear this all the time, and God speaks to us through his word. So we're like, all right, this is the year, Lord. This is the year I'm going to read your word. Here we go, you version, Bible plans. Here we go, read through the Bible. And... All of a sudden, we get stressed out trying to keep up with our Bible plan. The intention was to get close to God, and now we're like, we're actually about the Bible plan. We're like, okay, got to check the box, got to finish my Bible plan. We get stressed out about that. Last one, working out, getting in shape. How many of us want to be healthier, right? And so we set out, and we're like, you know, I'm going to get to the gym, or I'm going to go for more walks, or I'm going to, and before we know it, instead of actually focusing on living a healthy life, we're just stressed out about the workouts and doing this stuff. I could give example after example, but I think in many, many ways in our life, we have these good things that God puts in our heart. We have these good aims that God puts in our heart. And we start to move towards them and we get overwhelmed by them or we get uh, distracted by, by so many things that are happening. And so that's, that's really the question I want to frame us today because Paul is going to try to pull the people in these verses we read, back to the most important thing, because he knew many distractions were coming their way, and people were purposely, pridefully, apart from God, within the church, pulling people off of the goodness of God. And so that's what we're gonna, that's what we're gonna read today. And so follow with me, verse 16. Uh, like I said, the verse is behind me. Let me go ahead and read this. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on into detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to the things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. That is God's word to us this morning. Let me pray and we're going to unpack that. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for giving us your word. We thank you for guiding us. Again, we pray that you would speak directly to us, Lord. What we need to hear today uh, 
from your word, what is true, and guide us and encourage us on the path of following you. We pray these things together in your name. Amen. All right, so I'm going to go back verse by verse, and we're just going to unpack what Paul is talking about here to us and to that early church. First thing he said in verse 16 is he said, don't let anybody pass judgment on you. And then he lists several things. He said, don't let them list judgment on you in terms of food and drink and celebration and Sabbath and rest. And that's great because I love Whataburger and I love Taco Palenque. No, that's not what he's talking about. But um, he does say, don't let anyone pass judgment on you with these different things. And we're going to see in a little bit, he was talking about this idea that was permeating in that early church of asceticism, which is severe self-discipline and the avoidance of all forms of indulgence, typically for religious reasons. So think of, you know, extreme dedicated following of God saying, don't do this, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this, because any of these things might trip you up and pull you away from Christ. And so there was this extreme practices going on in the church. And people that were not practicing these other extreme practices when the church were looking at the other person being like, oof, you must be like a lightweight Christian. You're not really serious about following Jesus if you're not doing this and this and this and this and this. And Paul's saying to them, hey, no, what? That has no place in the church. Don't let anybody pass judgment on you uh, for the things that you eat or the things that you drink or the way that you celebrate or the way that you take time each week to Sabbath, to rest. Don't let anyone judge you for those things. And then he goes on in verse 17 and he says, uh, for these things are a shadow of the things to come. Now, discipline has value. Discipline has value in our life. Proverbs speak tons in the Bible about discipline. Discipline is, is a, a means to moving towards godliness. But what we're going to see in this passage is discipline in and of itself is not what saves us. It is not what we worship. We worship Christ. And so anything that we're doing to move towards Christ, the intention of it is simply that we know Christ more and experience more of Christ. And so again, he's saying all these things that people may do on their way to getting closer to God are only a shadow of the substance that which is God. In fact, everything in this world is only a shadow of the substance. I may have shared this before, uh, but I remember as a fifth grader, because I grew up in the church, and I remember, this was a legit fear of mine as a fifth grader. Uh, I'm going to date myself a little bit here, but I used to be really into my Nintendo NES. And I was pretty good at a couple games, and I really liked gaming. Uh, I left that behind, um, but I really loved gaming. And I remember sitting in church, I would hear all the time about how Jesus was going to come back, we down, we're going to be in heaven. And I legit had the fear. I'm like, I don't know if I want Jesus to come back because I don't know if I'll still be able to play video games. And I, I just can't imagine life being good without these games, right? And I joked earlier about Whataburger and all these things. Everything that we like, this side of heaven, everything that we delight in and we enjoy, and our interests change over time for some of us. Some of you guys are still, you know, balling out on Nintendo. But Everything that we enjoy this side of eternity is only a shadow of the delight and the joy that we are going to experience in the Father in heaven. It's going to be so much more than we can think 
and imagine. Go to Revelation and read what, what it's going to be like in heaven. It's going to be so much more. And so all these things that maybe help us get closer to God are not God himself. They are shadows. And he's saying you need to stick with the substance. And that is God himself. The Old Testament foreshadowed the coming of Christ as Savior. And now we still look forward to the second coming of Christ. And everything points to the greatest thing, which is Christ himself. Let's uh, continue here in uh, verse 18. He continues on and he says, don't let anybody disqualify you by insisting on these different things. He said by insisting on uh, practicing asceticism or worshiping angels or people that are going on into details about visions that they've had or people that are puffed up without reason with a sensuous mind. And so he lists all these different things that may disqualify you. And what's his point? Some of the means by which people proclaim who God is and some of the means by which we pursue God, again, people try to lift up to the same place as God or even higher than God. And it's really a false humility. It's really just uh, false teaching. If, if a church preaches or we in our own lives preach and focus on things that elevating them beyond the love of God, the gospel, the truth of God, we're moving people not closer to God, but away from God. And so an example in their day was asceticism, where it was all this strict denial. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit later in the sermon, how sometimes our own spiritual disciplines can lead us away. But if, if we're constantly trying to say, you need to do this, and you need to do that, and you need to do this, and this is what it means like to follow God, rather than saying, do you know that God loves you? And the son died on the cross for you and he's risen again. And right now he wants us to experience peace and joy and hope. And every day we wake up every day saying, this is the gospel. This is what God has for me today. Peace and joy and hope. That's what we're supposed to preach, not do this and do that and do this. Or some of these other examples he gives where people start getting in and talking about visions and angels and getting into all these finer intricacies. Have you ever experienced that where people are going so deep into some experience they've had or so deep into some finer point of theology? It's like, where does this even get into us following God? Those things are wonderful to study and learn and know, but the core essential of being a Christian is about placing our trust in Jesus Christ every single day. That's, that's what's core. But what was happening in that church is people were trying to get into all these other finer details and pulling people off of the gospel, which when we try to do that, you know, I think one example I mentioned how that plays itself out today is, is theology. People will sit for hours and try to argue some finer point of something that we don't really know. We're not going to know till we're in heaven one day and never talk about how's your following of Christ going right now, brother? Who's God put on your heart to share the gospel with? What are you struggling with? What's God doing in your life? And we lose sight of the gospel. And so that's, that's his point. And he continues on in verse 19 saying, not holding fast to the head. The head which is Christ where all growth comes from. All of our growth doesn't come from the things that we do. It doesn't come from reading the Bible. It comes from the God who wrote the Bible. The point of reading scripture, the point of prayer is not to do those things in of themselves. It's to get closer and focus our attention on God himself. And so he's saying, don't, don't get caught up in all this side stuff. Stay on Christ. Stay on the gospel. And then he continues with these last verses in verse 20. And he says, 
You know, if Christ died to the elemental spirits of this world, to the, this is another way of saying to the things of this world, why are you still trying, uh, still trying to be alive in this world, trying to find your place, your identity, and all these means and things within the world? He's saying, don't be controlled by the world. Find your identity in Christ. I don't want you to turn there for time's sake. You can write this passage down uh, to study later. But he, he unpacks this a little more in Romans 6. I want to read two verses for us that explain this in Romans 6, verses 5 and 6. This is another writing of Paul. He says, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Paul writes several times throughout the New Testament that the old is gone and the new has come. Don't get caught up in the things of this world or putting things in your own flesh, your own work. But all of your work should simply be focused on being one and close to Christ. And he wraps all this up in verse 23 by saying, hey, all these things have an appearance of wisdom by promoting self-made religion. But they have no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. I think a diet is a great example. Some of you guys are supernaturally disciplined people and we salute you. But haven't you ever set out to say, I need to be a little healthier and somewhere along the way, something got you off course. And that's because discipline doesn't uh, in and of itself save us or not always easy to practice. We need so much more. Our bodies, and even if you're the most disciplined person in the world, your body's going to give out and die one day. We are all uh, a ticking clock on this world because God has not fully redeemed it yet. One day there will be no more death, the Bible tells us, and he's going to come back. Uh, but, but our struggle goes beyond simply disciplines. Another great example of this is lust. You know, uh, we cannot just say, hey, don't lust anymore. Don't do it, church. Right? Uh, it doesn't work that way. Our lust reveals to us our brokenness and our need for a Savior. And so... We need to be able to go to the one and identify why is it that I'm struggling to do these things? Or why is it I'm struggling and doing these things that are unhealthy? And there's always something deeper and we need to get closer to Christ. Within this early church, they were pushing people to these extreme disciplines and basically making them the religion. Let me just say a few things practically for us today. You know, church, reading our Bible in and of itself, which is a spiritual discipline, will not make us holy. Coming to church in and of itself, just being here in and of itself, will not make us holy. These things can be helpful to us, but they are meant to be our servants on our journey of following Christ and wholeheartedly opening our heart to him, not our masters. And we should never impose what helps us on other people. Has it ever happened to you? You, you experienced some great Bible plan or some Bible study or some means of getting closer to God. Uh, one year I read through the Bible in a year and it blew my mind because I'd never read the whole scriptures. And not only was I then an evangelist for the gospel, I was an evangelist for people to read through the whole Bible. 
And if you would have talked to me at that, and I still am, I think it's super awesome for you to read through the whole Bible. I'm not going to say it's not good to read through the whole Bible. But if those of you who knew me back then, I was always like, guys, you got to read through the Bible this year. It's going to blow your mind. You got to do it. You got to do it. You got to do it. And let me say that while it's not a bad thing to read through the scriptures, that for all of us, we are not all called to read through the Bible every year. Some of us are called to just in some other way engage in God's word. And God's going to work differently in every single one of us. And so what are some experiences that you've had that have helped you go close to Christ? We cannot impose those things on other people thinking like, well, if you don't do this, uh, regeneration. How many guys, uh, you don't have to raise your hand. Some of us have done regeneration and we're thinking, hey, if, if you don't do grace's regeneration, you're lost. You're missing out. You're never going to experience Christ. If you don't do re-engage the marriage group, your marriage is probably terrible. It is a zero, okay? If you want to 10, re-engage. No, I'm joking. These things are awesome. I mean, these marriage groups are amazing. They're meant to help. Regeneration is an amazing thing. Uh, the, the thing that we're doing right now, rooted, these things are all amazing. But again, church, we're laughing because we know that's not going to save our marriage. It's not going to change our life. What is it in those things? It's the things of God. It's Christ. It's his word. It's the love of God through his people. Don't make the means the Savior. Only the Savior is the Savior. And anything else, it's pulling people away from God and it fosters pride. So in the beginning, church, I asked us this question. Have you ever had your eyes set on something and gotten distracted or overwhelmed along the way? There are things that we make idols within the church that distract us off of the one. And so I want to ask us this morning as we wrap up, has there been any tool or good thing or pursuit or anything in your life right now that's distracted you and taken you off of pursuit of Christ and sharing Christ? Because we know from this passage that the only goodness in our life comes from Christ. It doesn't come from anything else. This is the one sermon you're going to hear the pastor say, don't read your Bible, which is not what I'm saying. This book in and of itself, guys, right? This is a good exa example. It's not what saves us. It's only a tool by which God wants to reveal himself. And we totally should read it. But this is, this is not what saves us. It's God himself. It reveals God himself to us. We can't allow anything else to take the place of God. We need to hold fast to Jesus and avoid distractions, avoid making idols of things, avoid dead ends. You know, as I was reading through this, you know, every time I'm going to share God's word, you know, of course I want to see the beauty in it. And I want us to be able to say, wow, thank you, God, for revealing that to us. And I, I sometimes, because we've heard some of these things before in church, I, I feel this temptation of thinking like, okay, we're going to walk away from something and be like, oh, you know, thank, thanks for the reminder, Pastor. Thanks for the reminder. Because this is really a very simple thing that Paul's reminding us of. The gospel. Not to put anything before Christ and his love for us. And yet, this passage was there for a reason. For that church and for us. And so again, here's my simple question to you, church. The point of everything we just read that Paul was writing. Is there anything right now in my life, in your life, that's a distraction 
to experiencing Christ, to pursuing Christ, to having the love of Christ first in your heart. Are you guilty over your Bible plan? <laughs> Don't be. God's just happy that you love him and you want to be close to him and tomorrow's a new day. You're going to nail it. You're going to get in those scriptures tomorrow. Get in those scriptures. Or maybe it's been so long, you're, you're afraid to begin again because you're like, well, I'm just going to stop. I'm just going to stop reading the scriptures. Don't be scared. God is just waiting to meet with you. Maybe we're thinking we need this program or we need this or we need that or we need someone to come into our life. Don't be. God is waiting to meet with you here and today and in all of our problems and all of our situations. He loves us. Let's not make anything more important than the gospel and Christ. Would you pray with me, church? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for its power, for its truth, for its simplicity. God, I want what Paul talks about today. I want to experience you this week. I God, I, I know for me, I get so many things going that my work can be a distraction. My, I've lined it up, God. I'm going to be faithful. I pray you help me to slow down and rest and remember. Please show me glimpses of your goodness throughout each day. God, I don't know what the barriers or the idols are that each one of us have, but you do. And I know because you've done it time in and time again in my life. God, right now through your spirit, I ask you to reveal those things to every person here, God, that are we are allowing or Satan's places of discouragement or distraction to coming between us and you. We make an idol out of nothing, Lord. We worship you because you are the one who gave your life on the cross for all of our sin and has brought a new life. So help us to go out and live in victory and in joy and in peace this week. And help us to help each other, to encourage each other in that journey. And so now, God, as we conclude this time together, allow us to sing about that beautiful and that wonderful grace that you poured out for us through your life. And we pray all these things in your name. And the church said, amen. amen. Thank you, church. Praise God.